Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you would just open up in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to just briefly share a message with you that hope to and pray would be a blessing to you. I've entitled my message this morning, He Came for You. He came for you. I want you to turn to the person next to you and look him right in the eyes and say, He came for you. Christmas is the largest celebration around the world, each year and every year. Other holidays have one day. Christmas has the whole month, probably two months, because in January you're returning the gifts that you got on Christmas Day. Billions of people take time to prepare for and celebrate the holiday of Christmas. But the biblical origins, the story of Christmas, is simply God becoming flesh and blood, just like you and I, to redeem us from our sin and from eternal death. We sing the chorus, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. This morning I'd like to just, but yet I believe in compelling fashion to share with you the Christmas story. There is so much confusion and so much conflicting ideas regarding Christmas in our world today. There are different voices, there are confusing and different philosophies, and then there are conflicting ideologies in such disturbing values that our culture holds today. But the Christmas story is about God becoming just like you and I in order to save us, to redeem us from our sins, and to ultimately bring us to heaven for all eternity. The gospel is good news. That's what the word gospel actually means in the original language in Greek. It simply means good news. And doesn't the world need good news? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 reads, For you know, this is Paul the Apostle, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. I love that verse of scripture. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is us getting the lavish and unconditional love of God even though we don't deserve it, God's grace is still amazing. I have served God for over 40 years. I have known his grace in different facets, in different ways, in different expressions in my life. And I can still say after all these years, his grace is amazing. His grace is awesome. His grace is beyond description. 
The big news of Christmas, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That's big news. The, the way our culture looks at the world and what our culture calls big news is really small news. Our culture gets all excited and the big news is, is who is going to be taken in the first round of the NFL draft next year. The big news that our culture celebrates is the latest iPhone or the hype or the excitement of a new movie or what's trending on social media. But what we celebrate today is truly big news. It is God, it is God leaving the glories of heaven, the streets of gold, leaving his throne to come to earth. So I want to share with you four points. Turn to the person next to you, say it's not going to be as long as it sounds. I believe you should have... A, a few points in a sermon because you, you, you don't want your, point, your sermon to be pointless. So in a simple fashion, are you ready to hear the word of God this morning? Number one, we know that Jesus, he came for us and he said, in essence, I will leave my place. The Bible says, though he was rich. So think of Jesus, part of the triunity of God, the trinity part of the essence of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we know that Jesus, though he was rich, he said, I will leave my place. He left his throne in glory. He left the glories of heaven, angels bowing before him, worship in heaven, worshiping Jesus 24-7, giving him glory, giving him honor, celebrating him and worshiping him as God, as he is. See, the Christmas story is God stepping out of eternity and into time as a baby in a stable in Bethlehem. We're talking about God Almighty leaving the glories of heaven, a place no Hollywood movie can truly depict, a place none of us in our wildest imaginations could envision. It is God stepping out of eternity and coming to this earth. He said, I will leave my place. Think about that. God leaving the glories of heaven. Why would he do that? I have a pastor friend of mine that many years ago, probably about 30 years ago, he had a passion for inner city ministry. And he had such a passion uh, to minister to poor people, to minister to uh, homeless people, people out on the streets. And he wanted to understand what it was like to live homeless on the streets. So my friend... A friend of his went down to the city of Providence on a winter night. No money, no license, no credit cards, nothing in his pocket, no, no food, nothing, no place to stay. And literally stayed in the streets overnight. He left a comfortable home with heat, 
with food, with a bed, a comfortable life, to live on the streets for a night. What was he doing? He was trying to relate. He was trying to understand, but it was just for one night. In comparison to what God did, there's no comparison. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, uh, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, the richest people in the world, even if they gave it all away to live in the worst slums in the world for all of their life, not just for one night, think about what God did leaving the glories of heaven. No comparison. The mind cannot comprehend what God did. He said, I will leave my place. And secondly, he said, I will come to your place. The Bible says, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. God came down to our level because we could not get up to his level. He came to our place. He came to our world to be born just like us, to grow like us, to be tempted like us. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. He felt pain, disappointment. He grew tired, fatigued, lonely. He can relate. The Bible calls Jesus a man acquainted with sorrow and grief. He came to where we live. His great love compelled him to come down to where you and I live. We live in a world where there are many injustices in our society. There are many injustices in our world. There's racism, prejudice because of people's color or where they come from. There's ageism, where people are prejudiced because of people who get older or who are old. There is sexism, prejudice because of gender or sex, and there are so many injustices, and Jesus knows what you feel this morning. It doesn't matter where you're at, it doesn't matter what you're going through, Jesus knows what you feel. Jesus himself suffered the greatest injustice of all time. When he who knew no sin became sin for us. You see, Jesus himself was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was beaten, he was buffeted by Roman soldiers, spit upon by his captors, his crown of thorns was placed upon his head, and the blood literally dripped down and ran into his eyes as the pain, the excruciating pain of the whipping and the nailing to the cross, and ultimately bearing all the sins of the world. The sin, the suffering, the pain. The Bible said he never sinned, but yet he bore our sin. Never was he unjust, but he took on himself all the injustices of the world. You say, what does that have to do with Christmas? Everything. It has everything to do with Christmas. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, For this reason the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. John 3.16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We stop there, but verse 17 says, For Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Amen. Hallelujah. 
His great love compelled him to come to where you and I live. And this gospel never loses its power, never loses its relevance. As relevant as it was 2,000 years ago, it is still relevant for you and I today. Jesus did not only say, I'll leave my place, I'll come down to your place, but he said, I'll take your place. Bible says, through his poverty. You see, in Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says Christ, God in, in the flesh, Christ coming down, he had to empty himself. He had to lay aside his glory to come, to be born as a babe in a manger in a crib, in a feeding trough, if you don't know what that is, a crib. His crib was not the sterile, uh, uh, beautiful, and, and fancy uh, uh, nurseries that we have in our homes or, or children's rooms. This was a feeding trough. Think about God. I don't know about you, but, but if I were God, I would have come um, the halftime of the Super Bowl to get the biggest splash or come during the World Cup. Think of God. You know, there are a lot of people in the world who think they're so important and they like to have an entourage and they like to have a greeting and they like to have the best seating and they like to have all the, the fanfare and all of the glitz. But here is God coming as a baby. Not even born in woman and infants or born in a, in a hospital with, with all of the, the, the beauty and all of the, of the sterile environment. Here he comes, born in a stable. Why? Because there was no room for him. Why would God do it? Because he wanted to come down to our level. He wanted to reveal himself to us. He wanted to express his love. But you know what? He didn't stay in a crib. He didn't stay in a manger. He went to the cross and he voluntarily laid down his life. He didn't have to do it. He was God. In Matthew 26, 53, it says, Jesus said, do you not know that I can now call my Father in heaven and he will send 12 legions of angels? Each legion was 6,000. 12 legion would be 72,000 angels. He only really needed one because the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that one angel wiped out the 186,000 of the enemy. But he could have called legions of angels, but he didn't. Why? Because Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, God is just. He must punish sin. We see injustices and we become indignant and we want justice. Well, God is a God of justice and he must punish sin. He must punish sin because he's holy. But, but what God did is so mind-boggling. He not only is just, but he became the justifier. What I mean by that, God is just that he must judge sin, but he also became the one who would justify us by taking our sin and taking our place on the cross. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty gospel we have. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. A story is told of a judge who had to sentence a man overnight in the jail. And this man was a veteran. And the judge was also a veteran. So you know what the judge did? He sentenced the veteran to a night in jail, but the judge went 
and he himself spent the night with him to identify with him, to be with him, and to comfort him. Think about what God did. He took our penalty on the cross. He took our place on the cross because of sin. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. The only righteousness that we could attain to is to accept the righteousness of God or the righteousness of Christ. You see, anyone can devise a plan by which good people may go to heaven. And that's what the world religions have done. They've devised a plan where if you're good enough, if you attain to, or if you follow the rules, or if you pray five times a day, if you make a pilgrimage to Mecca, or if you do any of these lists of things, you could attain to heaven. But only God, only the Bible, the God of the Bible, can devise a plan whereby sinners can go to heaven. Come on, I, I, if I were you, I'd say amen. Only through Jesus Christ. He said, I will leave my place. I will come to your place. I will take your place. But then I will bring you back. I'll take you back to my place. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, but yet through his poverty, we might become rich. This morning, we might become rich because of Jesus Christ. John chapter 14 tells us, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Think about it. Jesus has been working on that place for 2,000 years. What a place that's going to be. Amen. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And where I go, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This morning, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news, heaven is waiting. The bad news is you're going to have to die. The bad news is we are all more, uh, terminal. We're all going to die. The mortality rate is 100% in this room. A person over 100 years old went to the doctor complaining of pain in the back, said, I get headaches, I feel weak, my legs are giving me problems, I can't walk, I can't function. Doctor, what's wrong? The doctor took tests, MRI, blood work, came back and said, I found out what's wrong with you. You're getting old. It's old age. You see, Jesus came. He left this place. He came to our place. He took our place to bring us back to his place. The worship team could come back. I want to just close this message. There are three inexplicable undeniable facts. I want you to listen. I want you to get this as I close. There are three undeniable facts that we must consider this Christmas morning. 
If we are going to understand what Christmas is all about, we have to understand three things. Number one, mankind is lost. What I mean by that, we are sinners. We are without, without God, without Christ. We have no hope of eternity. We are lost. We have lost our way. We have turned to our own way, the Bible says. Number two, eternity is certain. We will all face an unending, an undying, a forever eternity that will never end. This life is so short. The Bible refers to it as a vapor, as smoke, as a shadow that passes away. But eternity is forever. And lastly, Christ is the only answer. Christ is the only Savior. Only He can save. I want you to stand together with me this morning. In the first chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus says this, or well, John says this about Jesus. Jesus says, He came, or the Bible says, He came, Jesus came unto His own but his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the power or the right or the authority to become children of God. To as many as received him. This morning, I'm gonna ask some of you, if you've never done this before, to receive Christ. What that means is to believe on him. To believe the simple message I shared this morning to accept it, to receive it, to receive that He is the Savior, that He loves you, that He died for your sins. You confess your sins, you acknowledge you're a sinner, you believe in Him this morning. There is forgiveness. The most wonderful gift that anyone could receive is the gift of salvation. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. There is a payday coming, whether people know it or not, whether they believe it or not, whether they rationalize it away, justify it away, come up with all ideologies and all kinds of religious schemings. There is a payday. There is a day every one of us would have to face when we will be paid the wages of sin. You know what the payday is? Death. Physical and spiritual death. I'm glad the scripture doesn't end there. It goes on to tell us, but... The gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, the gift of God is presented to you this morning. And just by virtue of the number of people here this morning, I would, I would guess, I would estimate there are probably dozens of people that have never truly received that gift. This morning as a pastor, as one who loves you and cares for you, I don't say that to make you feel guilty or to condescend because I had to do this over 40 years ago. I had to do what I'm going to ask you to do. From my heart, sincerely and truly, accept the gift of God. And that meant, that meant I had to admit I'm a sinner because Jesus came to send Jesus to save sinners we're all sinners, but we have to admit it. And that's the tricky part because we don't like to admit that. We're all sinners. We all fail. We all make mistakes. 
we admit we're sinners, we ask God to forgive us for Christ's sake. That's why he came. He came to save sinners. We admit that, we confess we're sinners, and then we believe that Jesus took our place on the cross. He paid our debt, and because he died for us, we can now live for him by the power of the Holy Spirit. I had to do this 40 years ago as a, as a teenager, a little over 40 years ago. As a teenager, a young person who had heard about the gospel, I began to believe it was true, but you know what? I didn't want to turn from my sin. I was a teenager. I'm saying, oh, I don't, I don't know any of my friends that are living for God. But you know what? We don't, when we stand before God, our friends are not going to be there. Our fam we can't blame our family. We can't blame anybody else for our sins. Can't blame our pastor. I'm not talking about this pastor because nobody will ever do that. I'm talking about another pastor. We're going to stand alone before God. And you know what? We're going to be held accountable. And the only way we get into heaven, the only ticket into heaven, is not by coming to church on New Year's Eve. Oh, come on now. It's not even by coming to church on Sunday. It's not even by fasting or tithing or any of those things. The only way we're getting into heaven is through Jesus. He is the only way. We believe, we accept, we repent, we commit our lives. And as a teenager, God, God had to deal with me because I believed in this God. I believed this was true. I said I believed, but, but then my life wasn't lining up. And you know what God had to do? God had to get my attention. How many of you know God knows how to get your attention? God knows how to speak your language. God knows how to get behind, beneath the, 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 the surface. And God had to deal with me. And some bad things started going wrong in my life. But you know what? It was for my good. Because I wasn't going to come easy. And some of you don't want to come easy. And if God has to get your attention, you say, well, what kind of God we serve? We serve a God that loves us so much, he'd rather give you short-term pain for eternal gain. Oh, let, I didn't get an amen out of some of you. Let me say that again. He'd rather give you short-term pain for eternal gain. And this morning, I just want to ask you to receive this gift. I once read of a man who had received a Christmas gift and didn't open it for 40 years. I mean, I have some gift cards I haven't used in 10 years, but hopefully they don't go out of business. <laughs> but imagine someone had a gift that they never opened. You see, a gift unopened is not truly a gift received. Hello? A gift not open is truly not a gift received. In this morning, a gift is presented. And there are churches around the world. This morning, this country and other time zones that are preaching the same, if they're Bible-believing churches, they're preaching the same gospel. And it's the same simplistic message that he left his place, came to our place, took our place, and wants to bring us back to his place if you would just bow your heads this morning just would you begin to pray and 
Those of you that truly know Jesus, would you begin to pray and intercede and ask God to touch hearts this morning? This is a solemn moment. God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would go beyond my simple words. God, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would touch hearts. God, that there would truly be those who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. God, touch every heart, Lord. Draw people to you. Bring the sense of understanding and conviction, the, the awareness of the need of a Savior. We won't reach for the life preserver unless we know we're drowning. And we won't receive, reach for Christ sometimes unless we know we're a sinner, need of a Savior. So God, touch every heart, I pray in Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed, I'm just going to ask you very simply, based upon what I've shared this morning, without reiterating or belaboring the point, if you've never fully received, or maybe you 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 come to an altar but you never open the gift you've taken it but never opened I want you to fully receive this morning fully receive Jesus so I want to ask as as the music is being played if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I want you to move out of your seat I want you to move quickly I want you to move right now in Jesus name just come forward maybe there's one maybe there's two maybe there's several right now just come and receive this gift want to give you this opportunity today to receive Jesus Christ. If God's tugging at your heart, you need to come forward this morning. Receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. If that's you, let God draw you. Let God touch you. If there's something in your heart, if there's a sense of a need don't, don't try to rationalize. Don't try to figure it out. Just, just come by faith. You say, how do I do it? Just by faith. Just by faith. Just believing this morning. You might come to church regularly. You might be backslidden. You might be near or far from God. But this morning, you need to step over the line. You need to receive the gift, but you need to open the gift. You need to believe in Jesus this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Is there one here this morning? Is there one that needs to take that step? Don't worry about what other people think of you. Don't worry about what your friends will say or your family. But have you taken that step? Have you committed your life to Jesus? Just quickly come. Just come. Just come this morning. God bless you. If there's anyone else, just come. Take that step of faith. Make sure you know where you're going to spend eternity. No one is guaranteed another day. God in his love and his mercy has kept you alive for this moment in time. Put your faith in him. Put your trust in him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. A couple have come. Three have come. Is there anyone else? I want to give this opportunity. This is too important, too precious. You're not coming for me. You're coming for Jesus. May God touch your heart. 
May God touch your heart. May God touch you this morning in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If we can just sing one more, one song, and, I, and I'm going to still give you an opportunity this morning. If you haven't come, please come, even while they sing. Now.